So you may remember last week it was Giles, and he introduced us to this beginning of the last week of the Lord's life. Um, that's pre-resurrection life. And um, it was the uh, triumphant entry uh, into Jerusalem that we had last week. This week, we're, we have one story, but two messages. And the story is about a meal in Jesus' honour, and that's our first message. It's about what might we do in honour to the Lord Jesus. And the second message, which is a kind of spin-off from the first and from the story, is something I'd like to say about the fragrance of Christ. I'm so grateful for um, four Gospels. You know, you have sometimes you can have a really strange approach to four Gospels and just think about, why do they conflict? You know, because they're not all identical. But actually, I, I love the fact that there are four because you get four different perspectives and that enables us, you know, have, to have four references that enables us to plug the order right. And I think our reading today, if it was just confined to one gospel, we wouldn't necessarily have associated it with the last week of the Lord, the Lord's life. Um, that was my perception anyway. If you if you tell me this event, which we're going to read, is in the last week of the Lord's life, I would have said, really? I'm not sure about that. Let's go to it. It's um, We're going to read it twice, uh, from John's account, which is John 12, and also from Mark Mark's account, which is Mark 14, and they're, they're both quite short readings, and they both um, have their own little bit of detail, so when we read them um, together, we get a fuller picture. So it's the first eight verses of John 12, um, and then also the, the beginning section in Mark chapter 14. So we're thinking of two messages, in Jesus' honour, the first one, and the fragrance of Christ, the second one. So John 12, verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. And then we'll go to Mark 14, verse 3. 
while he, that's Jesus, was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of the man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray, to betray Jesus to them. <coughs> they were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. We have um, two things going on in one room at the same time. We have the stench of self-serving sin, and that's Judas, looking for an opportunity to, I guess, show his colours. Um, and we have, at the same time, as well as the stench of self-serving sin, the frag fragrance of Christ-serving love. And that was in Mary's amazing gesture to the one she loved both in the same room, both at the same time. It's a real challenge, isn't it? What's our agenda? Are we serving out of love? Or are we here maybe with other thoughts in our minds, other things, baggage perhaps? It's a, a real contrast between Judas, and, and we are told earlier in John that from the beginning, it says, from the beginning, Jesus knew who would betray him. It's a really interesting thought that when Jesus chose the disciples, he chose knowing that Judas would betray him. And here they were um, in a, a meal that was for Jesus' honour. Really important not to confuse this episode that we've read in two Gospels with the one that's recorded in Luke 7. And it's interesting because they're in the house of a man in Luke 7 whose name is Simon. And we know that because the Lord speaks to him. Um, and a woman comes in and anoints the Lord in Simon's house. And I, I put it to you that it's absolutely a completely different occasion. That it happened much earlier in the life of the, in the three-year public ministry of the Lord. It's a different Simon. Um, it's a different place. Uh, it's a different lady who comes in and anoints him. And more important, it's a completely different, contrasting context. In, um, in the episode that we've read about, it's a meal in Jesus' honour. And in Luke 7, it's in the house of a, a Pharisee who was out to try and criticise the Lord when the, the woman who came uh, in Luke 7 to 
anoint him with perfume. She was a woman of ill repute. And the debate at that time was not about this is a waste of money, it's about who is he? If he was a son of God, he'd, he'd know about this woman. So very, very different dynamics um, in the one that's before us today and it's in the last week of the life of the Lord. Those who loved him, and I put it to you that Simon the leper, whoever that person was, um, loved him and were having a meal in his honour. You know, that's uh, the first challenge. What do we do that is in honour of the Lord? And it's, um, it's a little bit different than saying, um, how do we honour the Lord? You get the sense that this was an idea someone had thought up and said, we, we want to invite him and his friends, kind of proactively invite him and his friends to um, have a meal. And um, it just challenges my heart. There's one thing to routinely carry on with what we do in our Christian lives. But it's another thing to pause and think, well, what, what can we do that's a little bit different? It's not routine, um, and we can do it in honour to the Lord Jesus. Um, what was the motivation? I, I love the fact that Mark records that it was Simon the leper. I have to be really careful with this, because... It's so easy to let our imaginations run wild a little bit and it's conjecture because we don't very know very much about him but actually we don't even know if he was there. <laughs> if Luke 7 is a different occasion, I'm pretty confident it is, and in that occasion the Lord had a dialogue with someone called Simon. There's no dialogue uh, here with this Simon. All as we know, it was Simon the leper's house. Um, Presumably, Simon the leper was once a leper. Um, and um, we presume that he's still alive. Um, kind of get the sense he, he's still alive, even though he may not have been there. I actually believe he was there. Um, why would they um, host a meal in Jesus' honour in the house of a person who wasn't there? You know, the real imaginative bit is Simon the leper had it on his heart to have a meal in Jesus' honour because he'd cured him from leprosy. <laughs> and what a transformation there would have been in Simon's life. But that's conjecture, so a little bit dangerous to go uh, too far with that. But um, I do believe that there is no wasted detail in any of these narratives. So the reason why Mark mentions it was in the house of Simon the leper is worthy of pausing and thinking about. We don't build a doctrine on it, but we pause and think about it because um, the Holy Spirit prompted Mark to record that little detail. Uh, Lazarus, the living dead. This is um, post-Lazarus resurrection, of course, and it had become a famous event. And we get towards the end of the story and you've got people crowding around the house because uh, they'd heard about Lazarus uh, being raised from the dead and here was an opportunity to see him. And um, so it's just a brilliant collection of people, people, isn't it? The ones we know about, I'm going to say Simon the leper was there. Lazarus the living dead was there. And then you have Mary and Martha 
the two sisters of Lazarus who had a reputation for loving the person of the Lord Jesus. They were friends. Now, again, this episode is not to be confused with Luke 10, where Jesus goes to uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus's house. And that's the very famous incident where in those old versions, it describes Martha as being cumbered about much. <laughs> I love that expression. Um, in the modern versions, it says that she was distracted and she asked this really impertinent question. She said to Jesus when she saw Mary at his feet and there she was doing the cooking and she, he said, she said to Jesus, don't you care? <laughs> uh, imagine saying that to the Lord when of course he cared. And his response was, Martha, Martha. You're, you're, um, actually, the literal word is you're overoccupied. It's a really challenging thought, isn't it? Because it's so easy for us to become overoccupied. It's doing too much. <laughs> and it seemed as though in that story, um, Mary had somehow got her life in order <laughs> and she'd managed to park stuff that enabled her to sit at Jesus' feet. And. Um, Poor Martha, she was not at that point, was over-occupied, cumbered about much, distracted and frustrated as a consequence. Contrast, in the, in the uh, meal at Simon the leper's house, uh, a meal given in Jesus' honour, we read that Martha is serving. And this is after the episode in Luke 10. She's not, she's not complaining about serving. She's... Um, embracing it and again it's just a, a brilliant uh, lesson for us about um, recognising the opportunity to serve and it's my opportunity to serve and your opportunity to serve and I'm not really bothered about what other people may or may not be doing I just know I'm serving and I'm enjoying it because it's a brilliant opportunity it seems like Martha had learned that lesson uh, no more silly questions like don't you care just a, an opportunity to, to serve. And we have Lazarus, and I'm going to say Simon. He was, uh, Lazarus wasn't the only one reclining at the table. We read that Lazarus was one who was reclining at the table with him. And um, you've got the other disciples too, presumably, that were there. I love that thought, um, Simon and Lazarus reclining at the table. You've got so many things going on. You've got Martha serving. You've got um, Simon and Lazarus and presumably the other disciples who were there and other friends that they had reclining at the table. And then you've got Mary worshipping. Serving, reclining, worshipping. People all doing what was appropriate for them to do at that time. And it's... Um, Again, another really simple lesson to, for us. Um, they're all important and they're all precious to the Lord. Um, serving him in practical ways, serving him in, 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 in any way. Um, reclining with him is fellowship. It's, it's about enjoying his company. It's about giving him our full attention and not being distracted with other things. Um, and then we'll come to Mary, who was uh, had it on her heart to worship the Lord in a in a very profound way. 
none were better than the other, I don't think. Um, they're just all components in what it means to love the Lord Jesus and to want to do things in his, in his honour. Let's go to the, the core of the story, which is Mary and an alabaster um, jar that was, we read, uh, a pint of pure nard. Um, we know it was extremely valuable, a whole year's wages. I don't know what the average wage is these days. Is it 20,000 or something like that? Probably a bit more. And imagine, <laughs> um, a, a, a jar of perfume that precious. Let's just say it's £20,000 worth in today's money. That is phenomenal. Apparently, Nod um, is only um, accessible from one place on earth, which is the northern, northern India, that area of the Himalayas. And part of the reason why that's the only place it's accessible is because it grows in altitude. So it's the product of a plant. It's like oil from a plant that is distilled and turns into like a paste. So you can imagine the intensity of the aroma as it's distilled um, becomes more um, pungent. Um, because it's so pungent, it gets watered down. Um, and perfumers would take nard and add other perfumes to it. And you'd get the same, the same pungent smell, not quite the intensity but it would, it would go further because you're effectively watering it, watering it down. In, um, in the accounts we've read, it's not watered down. It's pure nard, hence the £20,000 or whatever. Um, you know, we, we can over-spiritualise, can't we? You know, why is it only accessible when it, from a place that's at altitude? It's further away from earth, nearer to heaven, just a little thought. And of course, Mary is talking. Is what we're, what we're learning about is her worship, what was on her heart to bring to the Lord in worship, something of huge value that is more um, only accessible when you go further away from earth and nearer to heaven. And of course, that's about our meditation and our communion with Him. More than a, a year's wages. It's interesting that the jar was broken. And I don't really know about these things, but you have the impression that um, once that jar is broken, it's not like pulling a stopper. Um, the, you know, there's, there's no pushing it back in. And um, presumably it's really volatile stuff and, and evaporates. And it says the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And it's, there was no holding back. Um, the worship that she had in, it, in her heart the love that she had for the Lord in her heart um, meant in her view it was money well spent and she didn't um, hold any of it back. She anointed his head and his feet and it just speaks of head is where the king wears his crown, it's the honour aspect and um, the feet is, is speaking of service. So you, you've got this beautiful picture of him being his um, authority as king being acknowledged and the wonder of his service 
being acknowledged. And all these, if you like, extremes, his divinity and his humanity, they're bundled together in um, Murray's gesture of worship. It says the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume and that included Mary, more so, because she was in there. And it just struck me about how lingering is our worship. When we appreciate God for who he is, his authority, his majesty, his headship, and when we consider his humility in, in the Lord Jesus, in his humanity and his service, when we consider the breadth of that and we're drawn out of love, as Mary's motivation was, to honour him with our worship, surely it makes us have a different aroma about us, and we'll come to that in a second. And of course you have the, the stench of self-serving sin in Judas, um, saying deceitfully that this um, 20 grand could have been put to a better use when of course it was his intent to steal it um, and the Lord Jesus said that she's done a beautiful thing <coughs> it's um, we're in the, the last week of the life of the Lord before his um, his death and um what does he say? Leave her alone. We're in, um, I think we're in verse 6 of Mark 14. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing. Um, she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. And here was the Lord now in full appreciation of where he was up to in his fulfillment of the father's will of their plan of salvation and it was the lord himself anticipating his death and his burial and his resurrection what, what an amazing thing for him to have in his mind at this point there's a celebration at simon the leper's house it's in jesus honor he's reclining with his friends those around him are delighting to serve him in lots of different ways and here is one who the Lord can see is um, it's, an, it's an opportunity for him to, to use what's happening to him to point to his death that would be uh, soon to follow. It just that the lesson is, is about the bigger picture. And um, why didn't um, the Spirit put it on the heart of Mary to, to wait until... The, the, the perfume, the anointing perfume was needed. Well, no, this was an act of worship and she, she had to do it in the moment. This was a way of honouring the Lord Jesus in his life. And you just get the sense from what the Lord said is, you know, she did what she did now and it's right. She's fulfilling what, what um, God has put on, on her heart to do. And there's a lesson there, I think, also about us um, a certain element of spontaneity if we're called and moved to, to do something for him then let's just get on with it and not wait, not delay 
So that's our first message really. It's about things in his honour, doing things in his honour because I appreciate him. Reclining, serving, worshipping. Act now because there is a bigger picture and if we feel that um, we're being prompted to do something for him now, we should do it. And worship makes me smell right. That's um, the consequence. Let's move to that second lesson that I was thinking of, which is the fragrance of Christ. And there's a beautiful verse in, in the Song of Songs, and it's the loved one for her beloved. Sorry, the loved one to her beloved. She says, in verse 3 of chapter 1, Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. We just think of the, again, not wishing to over-spiritualise it, but we have the precious body of the Lord Jesus broken at Calvary and the fragrance of his love spreading everywhere. And there's no limit to that. It wasn't um, a little bit coming out. Maybe we could, we could say that in, in, the, in terms of his public ministry, that there were just elements of his love, if you like, splashing here in the... Um, John 13 verse 1 is really interesting. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. And of course that takes us through to Calvary and we see the body broken as we've been remembering already today, broken to the extent that the fullest extent of his love comes out and the fragrance is um, everywhere. It's interesting that fragrance announces itself. So she could have discreetly broken the bottle and nobody would have noticed until the fragrance hit. And isn't that our experience of Christ's love? It's, it's there because the Holy Spirit has made our hearts sensitive to it. It's, that's his work. And we suddenly become aware of it. And what a beautiful thing. I'd like to read in closing really the uh, verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 considering the, the fragrance of the Lord Jesus himself it's pure nod absolute perfection not watered down pungent and intense and we're talking about his love the fragrance of him was poured out in all of its fullness at Calvary the jar was broken and the fragrance was emitted and nothing was left in reserve and the whole house was filled with the fragrance accessible to the whole world. Second Corinthians 3 verse 14 But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphant procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life, and who is equal to such a task. Praise my soul, the King of heaven, to thy feet his tribute bring. I, I just love that hymn. And it's our opportunity to bring pure nard. Why? Because we've been ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. There's so much reason for us to worship and there should be that aroma about me and you in our lives. You know, how contained is our alabaster cruise, our bottle? 
um, does it come out once a day, a bit of a splash, and then the cap's on it, or is it broken and, and that fragrance of Christ is about our person always? And then that idea that fragrance announcing, announces itself. Do people know I love him and serve him because I say so, or because that's the way it smells? You know, they observe my life and my behaviour and are left with uh, a distinct sense of the fragrance of Christ about my person. And again, the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. It's <coughs> no compartments. And, how, and as we consider the fragrance of the Lord and how now we, as it says in that verse in 1 Corinthians, are the fragrance of Christ to those who are perishing. Is it my whole life that has this fragrance of Christ about it? Because that's the way it should be, not compartmentalised. Beautiful, um, true story, of course, and so many different facets of it that we can enjoy that teaches about the person of the Lord Jesus and how we can enjoy him and serve him by our service, by reclining with him and by our worship in all these different aspects of our lives. May that be so. Shall we close in, ask for, for help in, in closing?